Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Mask with Jeremy and Seth, Clinical Edition. I'm Jeremy Heiner. And I'm Seth Elisha. And in these episodes, we're going to talk about clinical anesthesia topics. These are the things you want to know about. We're going to talk about case management, pharmacology, critical events in the most up-to-date way in a concise manner that you can take in the operating room today. And today, Jeremy, what are we going to be talking about? We are going to be talking about some airway stuff. Oh, your favorite. Yeah, it is my favorite. Specifically, we're going to be talking about point-of-care ultrasound, POCUS, of the cricothyroid membrane. Oh yeah, let's get excited about that. So we know your time's important, let's get right to it. Take some deep breaths, it's go time. We know CRNAs are busy with limited time. That's why we wanna bring you clinical updates and reviews that are pertinent to your anesthesia practice. This is Beyond the Mask with Jeremy and Sass, Clinical Edition. Together, Jeremy and Sass have a combined 40 years of teaching anesthesia students and CRNAs. They speak nationally and at state associations and also continue to practice anesthesia in the operating room. Jeremy and Sass author and edit several anesthesia textbooks, including Nurse Anesthesia, the core anesthesia textbook used in the CRNA profession. All right, so when we're talking about the cricothyroid membrane, there's a lot of stuff we need to think about. We need to think about the anatomy. We need to think about being able to identify it, certainly in a time where it's going to be you know, a high-stressed kind of environment. So can you talk us a little bit through the anatomy and a little bit through identifying and how you definitively identify it? We're going to get to POCUS in a little bit, but identify it with your with landmarks and with your with your fingers. Yeah, so it's really interesting. This tiny little piece of tissue in our neck, especially as anesthesia providers, we get we get concerned about this thing if we ever have to access the neck through the cricothyroid membrane. Just real quick, it's uh, it's interesting. There's there's several names for the cricothyroid membrane. Um, I've heard, uh, well, you'll see in textbooks, cricothyroid ligament mm-hmm. is the favorite terminology in textbooks. But uh, also, cricovocal membrane is used sometime. And the conus elasticus is another name, which that is actually the lateral portions, both the right and left portions, of the cricothyroid ligament. So You would think that they could figure it out and name yeah. it one thing, but oh well, guess not. <laughs> so for the purposes of this podcast episode, we're going to go with cricothyroid membrane because we're in anesthesia, and that's what we call it, the CTM. Uh, it's located on the anterior neck. It is inferior to the thyroid cartilage, superior to the cricoid cartilage, the anterior arch of the cricoid cartilage. And it's made up of fibroelastic uh, tissue as well as collagen and elastic fibers. 
And both of those are in about equal proportions. Now, it also, the, the cricothyroid membrane has a, a ventral dense band of fibroelastic tissue that forms this median cricothyroid ligament. So if you're looking up the anatomy, you'll sometimes see that pointed out. Believe it or not, there are numerous blood vessels that are traversing through the membrane. And these, these vessels, they, they branch from the transverse cricothyroid artery. And it branches out from this, these little arteries branch out from this artery and then pierce through the cricothyroid membrane. So if you ever do a cricothyrotomy, then you're likely to see some bleeding. Sass, what's another reason why bleeding might occur um, during a cricothyroid procedure? Yeah, well, when, cricothyrotomy, you, yeah when you look up the anatomy related to the thyroid gland, and I do a little bit of teaching on that, the isthmus of the, th of the thyroid gland, kind of the central part, sometimes can extend above the cricothyroid membrane or cricothyroid ligament, and therefore doing a cricothyrotomy um, you could also damage that. Yeah, and I, I would expect you'd see a significant amount of bleeding if you hit that. Absolutely. That's a very vascular gland. So believe it or not, the puncture of the cricothyroid membrane is it's a component of several different clinical procedures. It's for in anesthesia, we think about a, a cricothyroidotomy. And we use this for emergency airway access. You guys, everyone's probably heard of retrograde intubation. And that's where you puncture through the cricothyroid membrane and extend a wire up through the mouth for anesthetizing the airway. We can use a transtracheal block and puncture through that. But there are other clinical procedures that can be done that use the cricothyroid membrane as a landmark and will puncture through it. So for example, uh, some clinicians will do Botox injections for patients who have adductor spasmodic dysphonia. And so they'll inject that Botox through the cricothyroid membrane. In patients who have Parkinsonium hypophonia, they'll puncture through the cricothyroid membrane and inject collagen to help with that, uh, that hypophonia. And there are several other different uh, procedures. Uh, we, we found like five or six of them. Wow. So kind of interesting. The cricothyroid membrane seems to be the doorway to the upper part of the airway for sure. That's right. It's almost like it was made to be punctured. All right, so um, what about the size of the cricothyroid membrane? So when we talk about the width of the cricothyroid membrane and actually puncturing it, it's pretty narrow. However, in females, it's actually smaller as compared to males in terms of a millimeter depth. The mean thickness in females is about 2.9 millimeters, and in males, it's about 4.5 millimeters. Yeah, so it's it's obviously bigger in males and, and smaller in females. This also is true between populations. So the cricothyroid membrane can, can vary in size, not only between genders, but between populations. And so what does this mean clinically? It means that not the same size tube is not going to fit in every single individual. So just something to be aware of if you as an anesthesia provider or as a critical care provider are ever called on to do an emergency cricothyrotomy. So when we're talking about doing a crike and using an endotracheal tube to provide ventilation through, knowing the differences between male and female, what is the recommendation in terms of an endotracheal tube size? 
Yeah, so we're talking about a surgical cricothyrotomy right now, not a, um, a needle cricothyrotomy or a wire-guided cricothyrotomy. And the prevailing thought is using a 6.0 endotracheal tube. And so that would be 6.0 millimeters internal diameter, which is an 8.0 millimeter outer diameter for that, type, that size tube. That size tube may not fit through a female, a small male, or or somebody in another population in another country. So it is important to assess the neck in terms of, is this a large person or a small person? Large person, you're probably going to be fine. Smaller, you may have to go with a lower size tube, like a 5.0 endotracheal tube. Now, it's going to be absolutely imperative that you are able to find the cricothyroid membrane. And again, as we talked about, you're going to be doing this when the patient is saturating or under, you know, and you're being under a lot of stress, patients hypoxic, hopefully for not a longer period of time. But finding that landmark is going to be absolutely essential. So can you talk us through finding the membrane and what's the most efficacious way to do that? Yeah. Absolutely. There are essentially two ways to find the cricothyroid membrane, and, and you're, you're spot on. This is the most important part of a cricothyroidomy procedure, knowing exactly where you're going to puncture or cut the neck. And so the, the two ways to find the cricothyroidomy, the, the cricothyroid membrane, are um, palpation and ultrasound. So let's talk about palpation first. The primary way that this has been taught over the years is starting up at the thyroid prominence, also known as the Adam's apple, and palpate this specific landmark first of the, the thyroid cartilage, and then move in a caudal downward direction to the next solid bump, which would be the cricoid cartilage. That groove in between those two hard cartilages between the thyroid cartilage and the cricoid cartilage that's the cricothyroid membrane. Now, realizing the Adam's apple or the thyroid prominence is not as prominent in females. So sometimes that can be a little bit challenging identifying that. You know, I teach it that way, as you know, you just described. But, you know, as we were just talking offline, you were talking about the prominence of the thyroid cartilage or the Adam's apple. If you move your way up, we know above we have the hyoid bone and the membrane between that is the thyrohyoid membrane. It's much, it seems to be in terms of palpation, much thinner. But as we were discussing in an emergency, in the heat of the battle, as you talk about, someone may mistake that for the cricothyroid membrane. So talk to me about the other way that you can assess in terms of palpation for the cricothyroid membrane. Yeah, and just to, to bring all of our, our listeners up to date, what we were talking about is a case of mistaken cricothyroid membrane identity where a provider in the heat of battle who was required to do emergency front of neck access and they were doing they were attempting to do a cricothyrotomy they mistake they they mis, they mistook the thyrohyoid ligament as the cricothyroid ligament or cricothyroid membrane and punctured above the thyroid cartilage which we know is above the vocal cords and that's not going to do anything for the patient so um, the procedure was a failure and, and I've, I've thought, man, that, that must be really difficult. But if you feel a very prominent thyroid prominence, it, I guess I could see somebody mistaking that as the cricoid cartilage. 
As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. So there are there is another way that some advocate for the identification using the palpation, using palpation of the cricothyroid membrane. And that's starting from below. That's starting at the sternal notch. The good thing about the sternal notch is even if somebody's really obese, you can pretty much find the sternum or the sternal notch and the sternal notch on, on anyone. So if you fill your sternal notch and then move up in the neck, the most prominent solid object you're likely to fill next is the cricoid cartilage. And then you fill that groove right after it in between the lower border of the thyroid cartilage and the upper border of the cricoid cartilage. So I, I found that this technique is actually pretty useful using the sternal notch as an initial landmark. Now you had just mentioned people who were obese, maybe people who have had radiation, the cricothyroid membrane isn't always easy to identify, and the literature says that. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, let's bring in just a couple of studies re- really briefly. Um, if, if you look at the literature in terms of location of the cricothyroid membrane, there, there is a significant amount that talks about using ultrasound, point-of-care ultrasound POCUS, to identify the cricothyroid membrane. And Studies in obese populations, in populations that have neck pathology, are really favorable and show anywhere from uh, an 85 to an 100% accuracy using POCUS to identify the cricothyroid membrane. So that's, that's really good. Um, now, studies in lean patients without any pathology of the neck, where it's easy to see the landmarks, Really, they, they, what they show is either an insignificant difference or they show less of a difference between using palpation versus ultrasound. So I guess that in somebody who's really easy to see the landmarks, you don't necessarily need ultrasound. But in the obese population, people with pathology, let's go for the ultrasound. So let me just talk about two quick studies here. Um, one of them used a population who all had neck pathology, and they took a CT scan of all these, uh, of several hundred of these patients. And then they randomized them into two groups. One group, they did palpation of the cricothyroid membrane, and the other group, they used ultrasound. Well, with, with the CAT scan, they could easily see the, the center point of the cricothyroid membrane. And there was a, ten, a, a tenfold greater increase in identification using ultrasound rather than using palpation for identification of the cricothyroid membrane. So pretty significant. The next study was kind of interesting, and this one used cadavers, 
where they did a cricothyrotomy. Well, well, first they identified uh, the cricothyroid membrane either using palpation in one group or ultrasound in the other group. And then they did a cricothyrotomy on these cadavers after either palpation or ultrasound. And they evaluated, one, the success of proper identification, and two, the success of the procedure. And they noticed that there was a significantly higher rate of success of cricothyrotomy using ultrasound and less injury to the larynx and, and trachea. Finally, there was a, a, meta, a recent meta-analysis done, and they looked at all the literature out there. The analysis describes the limitations of the palpation method, especially in the obese and uh, that population that has pathology in the neck. And it was pretty clear that ultrasound is superior than using palpation. Here's another interesting point that they brought up. When you mark the neck initially, and what they do when you're using ultrasound, it's recommended to mark the neck before you do anesthesia induction. And what they found was if you mark the neck of when the patient is in the neutral position, as soon as you extend their neck to do the procedure, the marking moved, the skin moved away from the actual membrane, the cricothyroid membrane. So what they recommend is hyperextend or extend the neck have the patient extend that neck and then find the cricothyroid membrane using the ultrasound and mark it when the patient has their neck extended. All right, now let's talk about ultrasound and the procedure in order to identify the cricothyroid membrane. So you're an expert at using ultrasound. So there are two ways, the string of pearls, what string of pearls way or look where the ultrasound guide, guided view is longitudinal or the transverse view, where you're looking at the thyroid air cricoid air line, which is also called TACA. So can you talk us through TACA, TACA, can you talk <laughs> us through these two techniques? I don't know why I want some tacos now. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, yeah, let's talk about these two point-of-care ultrasound techniques for identification of the cricothyroid membrane. Now, they when, when we're using these ultrasound techniques... The patient should be laying supine, and the operator should be standing on the patient's right side, facing the patient with the ultrasound screen on the left of the patient. And this is assuming that you're right-hand dominant. Uh, we use a linear high-frequency transducer for both of these procedures. And let's start out with the TACA technique first. So again, this is the identif identification of the thyroid cartilage, the airline under that, the cricoid cartilage, and the airline under that. So we are holding the probe in a transverse position. So step one is the trans transducer. It's placed over the neck in this transverse or lateral plane. And we're attempting to identify, we put it down where we think the thyroid cartilage is located. And what we'll see when we do locate that is a triangular shape, a triangular hypoechoic shape of the thyroid cartilage. Now, the again, the transducer is the long part of the transducer makes a T with the trachea. So we're going to move that transducer down in step two. So we're moving caudally until we see the airline, the first A. So we have thyroid cartilage for T, first airline as the first A. This is a very hyperechoic white line. And what this is, it's, it's the tissue air border under the cartilages of the airway. So where the tissue meets the air in the anterior part of the trachea. And 
You'll also see that this white line has similar echo white lines deep below it. And those are simply reverberation artifacts, and that's actually inside the trachea. Now, well, if it's behind the uh, thyroid cartilage, it's just before the trachea. All right, so now we move the transducer further caudad in, a, in more of a, a, a lower position until we see the cricoid cartilage. And this is seen as a black hypoechoic horseshoe-shaped structure and with a posterior white lining. Now, that white lining, that's going to represent this air tissue border that we've talked about. And this will be on the anterior luminal side of the cricoid cartilage. All right, and then finally, step four of the Taka technique is moving the transducer a few millimeters back upwards in a cephalad direction. And that will approximate the center of the air line. So again, this is the second A, and which both A's in this technique are, are the same thing. And this is the cricothyroid membrane. This can be identified and marked. And what we'll do is we'll put in the show notes a link to a video. You can go to the show notes, click on this video, and you can see an example of the TACA technique for POCUS identification of the cricothyroid membrane. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855 855- 304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. So Jeremy, you know, a lot of people, POCUS is newer, certainly, and newer, certainly in anesthesia. And there are a lot of people that don't have experience using the ultrasound. So what do you recommend in terms of education for people prior to actually having to one day you know, unfortunately do this for a patient. Yeah, and and you're right. POCUS is relatively newer. The good news is, is in pretty much all of the anesthesia texts, this kind of procedure is outlined. You can find YouTube videos all over the place of this. And we're talking about it now. Professional conferences, you can learn about it. Um, There's a lot of literature online and we'll reference the studies that we've talked about today in the show notes. You can uh, look up those. It provides great information on both of these ultrasound techniques. Perfect. All right. Now talk to us about the second technique, which is the string of pearls technique. Yeah. And I think most people will, will find that this particular POCUS technique is the most helpful because what you can do is you can see all the different structures in line because they're it's using a longitudinal line uh, type of, of transduction using the ultrasound. So this is how you do this particular technique. The string of plur- pearls or string of black pearls is probably more aptly named. And I'll tell you why in just a second. So what we do is we use the ultrasound probe and we are going to, in step one, we're going to identify, as I mentioned earlier, the, the sternal bone and the suprasternal notch. Very easy to identify even in super obese, morbidly obese patients. So we're placing the the probe transversely over the neck at the lower part of the neck. And then we're going to move it upwards or cranially from the suprasternal notch. And we're going to keep it midline on the trachea. 
you'll start to see the anterior part of, of a tracheal ring at some point and just pick a tracheal ring. And what this will look like is a hypoechoic or black structure. And then below it, you'll have a tissue air boundary and it's going to be that bright white line again. Everything below that tissue air boundary, that bright white line is artifact. So don't worry about that. Step two is sliding the transducer laterally towards the patient's right side. So we're, we're taking the, the T part of the transducer where the T meets the trachea and we're sliding it over towards the patient's right. So what we're going to see on the ultrasound is the right border of the screen is going to show the trachea and that tracheal cartilage. Step three is rotation of the probe into a longitudinal position. So the long axis of the probe is in line on top of the trachea in the middle of the trachea because you've identified the midtrachea when sliding the probe over to the right. So you keep that midtrachea and you'll see several different structures. Okay, so now we have the probe in the longitudinal position. So we have a sagittal plane view on our ultrasound screen. Now in the upper part of the image, you'll see the tissue and adipose as a hyperechoic cloudy band. And that's just representing the skin and adipose of the neck when we're looking at the ultrasound screen, the upper part of the image there. Below that, we'll start to see tracheal rings. And what they will look like, they'll appear as hypoechoic black round or oval structures, kind of like pearls lying on top of a very strong, very bright hyperechoic white line. Again, that's the air tissue boundary. So what you're going to see is a string of black pearls on the ultrasound machine or on the ultrasound screen. Tra now step four is sliding that transducer a little more cranially, a little more cephalad. And what we're going to see now is the anterior part of the cricoid cartilage. This is seen as a slightly elongated structure and it's going to differentiate from the different tracheal rings as a larger and more anterior hypoechoic structure. And so that's how we can differentiate the cricoid cartilage from those tracheal rings. Now the air tissue boundary inside the trachea will continue to be this prominent white hyperechoic line underneath all of these hypoechoic structures. Immediately cephalad to the cricoid cartilage is the cricothyroid membrane. And this can be seen as a white hyperechoic or cloudy area between the cricoid cartilage. And then if you move the probe just up a little more, you'll see the very lower part of the thyroid cartilage, which is also hypoechoic. So again, in the string of pearls technique with the ultrasound probe in a longitudinal type of plane, you will see the lower part of the thyroid, which is hypoechoic. You'll see a, a kind of a cloudy area, which is hyperechoic, and then another more prominent hypoechoic structure, which is the cricoid cartilage. That cloudy area, that's the money spot. That is the cricothyroid membrane. The midpoint of this spot can be marked, and again, doing that with the patient's neck extended, and you're good to go.
All right. Well, thank you for hanging out with us with another episode. If you like what you've heard and you'd like this podcast to grow, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this with your anesthesia friends. We would really appreciate it because word of mouth is the primary way that we grow and learn and improve the offerings to our CRNA nation. All right, everyone, that's it for this episode. Remember, keep ventilating, and we will catch you on the next episode. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com or call him at 504 504- 394-6557. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Jeremy and Sass expressly disclaim any liability in connection with the use of this presentation or its contents by any third party.